Yeah. Hold on, I'm going to let my um, washing machine finish singing its little song. I don't know if my microphone is picking this up or not, but this washing Just machine is incredible. It's like adorable when it done, it's done running a cycle. It literally goes, it plays these little melodies. It's so cute. So, um, it so makes I, better... think it's really, I think it's really interesting, though, to point out that you have both a musical washing machine and a musical oven now yeah very nice uh and they both make better music than dream theater so hi i'm chris and i'm jeff and welcome to the sound judgment podcast where every episode we'll be discussing all of the important musical topics from reviews to which member of motley crew is the most vile i'm gonna judge the officials i'm gonna judge all the judges it's gonna take you people years to recover from all my opinions Anyways, um, I'm MC Chris here as always with DJ Jazzy Jeff, um, and <sighs> are you serious? <laughs> is this, this is what we're doing now. This is how we're starting this. Hi, I'm Chris DeGarmo, and I'm here with um, Jeff Tate, and as always, uh, we're here to talk about. All right, hi. So this is Cyrus, and I'm Jeff, and we are the death best death metal band out of Denton. I think, I think we're currently deciding to call ourselves Satan's Fingers, but I know you were mentioning the Hospital Bombers as a good option for a name. Yeah, but we were also kicking the killers <laughs> back and forth. Shut up. What are, anyway, God, okay, enough of the bad jokes. Uh, what are we doing? Uh, I think we were talking about your favorite singers today. Uh, we starting with Bon Jovi. <laughs> that is inaccurate. We are talking about horrible live singers. So, okay, so when... But I'll say we need to set some ground rules for what that means. Right. Kind of so I think right off the bat we can say that, like, if someone was a good singer and they aged out of it or drugged out of it or smoked out of it, that I don't think that necessarily qualifies. I mm, – mm, hold, hold on, hold on. Oh, no, I'm going to stop you right there. If they aged out of it, if they aged out of it, like, I, no one can sing in their 60s as well as they could in their 30s. Like, that's just not going to happen. I do hold a little more against them depending on you, you said like if they drugged their way out of it or whatever. If your issue is you're a cigarette smoker, I'm blaming you fully on that. Like there's a million and one resources to stop smoking and if you're a singer, I think you have no excuse to be a cigarette smoker. So that like I'm not giving forgiveness to. That's on you if you lost your voice because of it. Um, I will not hold anything against people who have had drug addictions or whatever outside of that. Like, I'm not going to hold a heroin addict, you know, like, oh, well, you should have put your voice first. Like, no, I want you to put your life first. Higher priorities here, all right? Right. So the only reason I was um, going with the cigarette thing is a lot of those people actually will go back and forth depending on, you know, quitting and then picking it back up or, like, doing it less. So a lot of those people, I think, have, like, on and off periods. Yeah, okay. Um, it's not a consistent bad vocal time, you know what I mean? But, yes, I think the, and I think the other thing that we can, that we'll probably roll out, I think at least, is uh, bands where their thing is kind of, is kind of not singing good, like a Slayer or something like that, where it, the vocals aren't necessarily, good vocals aren't necessarily part of the performance and they never have been. They've never been a band that you thought about when you think of vocals. Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm never going to hold like a certain vocal style or, or vibe 
as, you know, I'm not going to hold that against them either. Like, nobody is expecting most punk bands to have a phenomenal vocalist. That's just not the point of the style. Or if you're just not a fan of the style, going back to our Axl Rose talk, like, I'm not holding that against everyone, any or anyone either. That's not... My issues are, and I've gone on this rant a million times, so I'm going to cut it short, um... If you do something in the studio that you can't replicate live ever, and I don't mean having a bad night. I'm not holding that against anybody. No one's perfect. I'm talking about the Adele's of the world who do something in the studio that they literally don't even try to do live, or they try to do live, and dear God, is it awful. Um, so, like, the, the people who are just like, oh, you use studio magic, and now you're pretending to be a live performer... That is my biggest issue. On top of my go-to example for this is Bon Jovi, who once upon a time was, I'm going to say a good singer. I think he was always kind of built up to be better than he ever really was. But have you heard Bon Jovi lately? And by lately, I mean any time in the past, like twenty five years. I was gonna say I I heard uh, I heard him live a handful of years ago. Uh, I think there was a night that we were just making fun of Bon Jovi in your basement, but I don't think within the past like five years or so I've heard um, Bon Jovi. Skip to about two o two in the video I just sent you, and you will hear exactly my issue. I think he just, I think he just did the disco finger thing. <laughs> um, Man, Grandma's really rocking it up there. And by Grandma, like, I mean John Bon Jovi. There is no, there is no substance to this voice. No. Like, this song is supposed to be, like, belted. Tommy is to work on the docks. He is so thin and nasally. Like, what? What happened? And I think the answer, quite frankly, is the fact that he never sang correctly and he ruined his voice and he just doesn't care enough to fix it. I don't... Certainly, okay, this is not my... Like, I am... Once again, I am not a vocal coach. I'm not... This is not my opinion. This is an opinion of some professionals who I have heard speaking who all seem to agree that he probably could fix his voice if he gave a shit. Yeah. And he just obviously doesn't. Well, when you got that much money, you don't have to legally. You well, you don't have to ever if people are still going to keep going. I just think it's insulting. Oh, it is. Like I, I'm honestly, I feel bad for anyone who goes to see this live and thinks they're having a good time. I, I don't understand how you get this bad and you're okay with it. This is some false advertising level bullshit. It's just singing of the quality of, like, anyone could do that, you know? It's just, there's just nothing... He's practically, like, sing-talking it. Yeah. He has no... He has no authority or power in his voice, and it is just absurdly awful. He's not even giving um, his best shot, like Vince Neil is, every night. Yeah, I was gonna say, so I know you have a personal favorite bad singer. Oh, man, and he was just here a few <laughs> weeks ago. Not even a few weeks ago. He was here... 
Oh, yeah, I guess it was just a few weeks ago. It was two weeks ago, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the time this goes up, it'll be more than that, but... Well, I'm just... Sorry, I'm just looking at the recording here. Um, yeah, so here's... Here's my thing, and this is why I'm going to say... I want to say Vince Neil is even more unforgivable than Bon Jovi. Could Vince Neil ever actually perform well? I mean, I don't think so. I was born in 1989, so obviously I was never seeing Motley Crue in their prime. I did not see Motley Crue until the, you know, what, 2010 maybe, I want to say was the first time I saw them. Somewhere in that general realm. Um, And he was awful then, but I kind of knew that going in. Yeah. But from what I've seen in, in live recordings, he was never good. He was never able to sing full phrases. He was always running out of breath. He was worried too much about looking a certain way. And the performance never seemed to matter. Yeah. So I think he's even more unforgivable. I got a, I think I had a revelation that I just fucking hate all of the personalities in Motley Crue when a couple weeks ago the was it bassist like posted the dick pic? No, that was Tommy, Tommy Lee. Lee. That was the drummer. drummer. Yeah, Tommy Lee. Yeah, the one with the sex tape. The one like none of the members of Motley Crue was I first familiar with. Via being in Motley Crue. The, Vince Neil, I think I heard about the car accident that he caused and killed someone uh, yep. before I heard a note of Motley Crue's music. I knew about that. Um, yeah, they're, um, they're, not, they're not the greatest people in the yeah, world. Yeah, uh, Tommy Lee, I knew about the sex tape before I, I listened to any Motley Crue. And um, Nikki Six has always just been out there glorifying drugs, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I know that he, like... He 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 has like a drugs are bad stance, but also like everything he puts his name on, he seems to also associate with heroin. Yeah, so Nikki Six, I mean, you know, pretty the, the story. The story pretty famously is that he he overdosed on heroin and, and was brought back to life effectively by a shot of adrenaline to the heart. Yeah, um, Nikki Six, yeah, publicly like his statement is that he is very anti drug, but he does it all in that like romanticizing way. Yeah. It's like drugs it's are bad. Of... Look at all of the drugs I did. Yeah, basically, and it's like look at this amazing story that I can tell now because of my heroin addiction yeah. kind of thing. Um it, yeah, like I don't like it. It's not comfortable for me. It's just he, I I just always feel like yeah, you're saying it's bad, but then like your book is called The Heroin Diaries. I don't know. So I, I kind of understood The Heroin Diaries as, like, a book and then a concept album, and I kind of thought it was ending there. I didn't realize at the time just how much his entire life revolved around an event from the 80s. Yeah. You know, this, this, this heroin issue, which I'm certainly not going to ever tell anybody what they did or didn't do. I have read some interesting speculation about, like, Hey, just, I don't know if anyone else realizes this, heroin wasn't really popular in in Los Angeles in the 80s. I have no clue how true that is, but it, it did kind of just make me wonder, how much of this is based on truth, and how much of it is just, like, completely over-exaggerated? I don't know, but the more I hear from Nikki Six, and all he talks about is, you know... Again, drugs are bad, but look at my story. It makes me question how legitimate a lot of it really was. 
That being said, 6AM's first album is phenomenal. The album The Heroin Diaries is incredible. I can agree with, with some of that, but I also do know that there are some people who try to uh, ride their story regardless of like what it may be. You know, some some people just try to say or do anything to, to get some attention. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like, I'm not, I'm not buying these, you know, these, um, I'm not buying the skepticism completely, but it kind of planted that seed in my head of just, oh, like, this isn't, like, an undeniable thing. Yeah. Like, there, there, there is some wiggle room for, for validity here. Right. And I, it never occurred to me until I started seeing some criticism. Um, I'm not saying he didn't struggle with drug addiction. I'm, I'm sure he absolutely did. Most of these oh, guys yeah, in yeah, that yeah. era did. Um, but that kind of planted the seed of, I wonder how much of this is changed again to make a better story, Yeah, which it does make a good story, but it makes a very like grossly romantic story. It's one of those, you know, what was that? What was that Netflix show? That 13 reasons. Yeah. That was like the, the girl who killed herself and it was like a revenge story. Mm -hmm. Yes. I realize that's like an anti-suicide show, but not to the wrong person. You show that to a teenager who's having a rough time. That's not the message they're getting. They're seeing that and they're seeing the romanticization. They're seeing the revenge aspect of that story. Yeah. Look at what happens when I'm no longer here kind of thing. Look what I, I showed you. Um, when in the real world, that's not at all how that works. And that is really Nikki Six's whole thing. And there were, uh, yeah, there were so, still people saying it glorified suicide on top of that because I think it had like a long suicide scene. I didn't watch it, but... I didn't watch I it either. Just, I was some of the things people were saying is that like it had like a long suicide scene and then it had like uh, all the uh, people who bullied her like regretting it and stuff like that and it kind of like romanticized it as well. But also not yeah. what we're here to talk about. Anyway, yeah, but like I I didn't I didn't watch it enough to know the plot. I watched a bit just because I was kind of like wanting to know what it is some people were getting into, and it only took about an episode and a half for me to just be infuriated by the the way that show was portrayed and again the way nikki six portrays drug addiction is in that same awkward romanticization way the same thing people do with kurt cobain i mean i don't whether he did it or not obviously but people sure do look at his heroin issues and in and, and subsequent death in like uh you know ooh, this made him a star kind of thing yeah uh, uh, yeah it's incredibly uncomfortable i'm not sure about that one but yeah um, I think yeah. I, so the guys in Molly Crew are all are all, are all pretty terrible. I think um, Mick Mars is time. the only one who hasn't. I can't think of anything openly I hate about that guy. I don't have like a specific controversy, but I don't think he's a particularly good person either. Right. From from you know, like I don't like people don't typically sing his praises as like oh he's he's actually a giant teddy bear like he's this he's this awesome saint like no apparently he's kind of a dickhead too oh, yeah. Um, I will give him credit that he doesn't have any controversies that have made it into uh, my knowledge base. And I will give him credit that he, you know, has that horrible spine-fusing issue. Um, and he's he's still a, a really solid performer, honestly. As far as the band goes, he's really the one to to give any actual praise to. Well, the bar's real high there. But you know what? No, Great work not, to make Mars for pick. not killing a guy in the 80s. So that's... <clears throat> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. High praise, high praise. Drive through footy car, Chubba B.
Okay. Yeah, it, you're going to have to throw that in there. Like, you can't just say that and not use... So, anyways, I, one of my oh, coworkers okay. was telling me that they were going to see Motley Crue when, when no. they were... Yeah, no, I know. Uh, well, they were going to see the show. I mean, I don't think they were going for... I, they told me they were most excited for Joan Jett, which, to be honest... Maybe the... Maybe. I don't know. Okay, was, so having... Poison, I know you having, having seen everyone on that lineup multiple times um so the, for the record the 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 tour is joan jett def leopard poison and motley crew a real um, dream joan team jett... if it was 19 like 89 oh yeah oh mid late 80s it's a really cool lineup i mean quite frankly actually having seen poison multiple times live they are not a technically stellar band but they also never really pretended to be they are a lot of fun if you're into that kind of thing if you're into the the campy garbage hair metal stuff. They're a lot of fun. Um, Def Leppard puts on a phenomenal show. I would question Joe Elliott's voice, but again, I, I will attribute a lot of that to age just to kind of be on track here. He doesn't sound great. I don't think he ever really did sound amazing, but he's also, you know, getting up there in age. Joan Jett is another one. I saw Joan Jett in the mid 2000s ish, uh, maybe a little later than that. And, like, it was a good show. She's a solid performer. Her age shows, which is totally fine. Right. Again, I'm never going to hold that against somebody. It was a great show. She's a good performer. But she certainly, again, no one sounds the way they did in their 20s and 30s. Well, I have to throw in um, a challenge flag in there now. Uh, you yeah. You said that um, Poison wasn't known for their technical prowess. Or do you realize that C.C. DeVille outplayed Slash? <laughs> This is my favorite meme going around right now in, like, guitar circles. Uh, just to clarify, there's all these pictures and articles being written about how incredible CC DeVille is, and they all reference the fact that Slash did, in fact, audition for Poison pre-Guns N' Roses, and they didn't pick him. They picked CC DeVille. Um, but the way it's all being written sounds like... It sounds like CeCe DeVille is the one writing all these memes. They are so over-the-top praising how incredible and virtuosic he is and how he kicked Slash's ass in this audition. And meanwhile, like, I think it's pretty well accepted that CeCe DeVille just kind of fit Poison's image and style a lot better. He was, you know, good-looking, pretty effeminate, the blonde hair. Like, he just kind of fit the image. Slash was always a bit kind of grungy, dirty, grittier, you know. It's amazing he didn't take 50% of the name of Megadeth, though. Wait, what? That was the other meme that he... I don't remember that. Oh, Dave Mustaine offered him, offered him to join Megadeth and give him 50% of the name, and CeCe's response was that Poison's already bigger than Megadeth. <laughs> I mean, okay, so first off, he's, he's not wrong. I also um, think it's not true. You don't? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't... I, you know, maybe. Uh, okay. I mean, maybe right... Like, if we looked at, like, overall record sales or whatever, I don't know. But, like... I don't think there's Poison any... Poison absolutely got more publicity no, than Megadeth. Yeah, that's did. true. I don't think there's any way Dave Mustaine offered him 50% of the, of the name oh, no, to no, no, leave no, no. Poison. 
No, no, okay, oh my god, no, the story is not true. Yeah. I'm sorry, I was referring to the specific statement of poison being bigger than Megadeth. Like, yeah, no, that's... I'm that's pretty sure that's probably true. <laughs> that's probably true. Uh, I don't... Th- I I would be surprised if if Dave Mustaine even looked at C.C. DeVille. Um, but then it goes on to claim that C.C. DeVille was uh, already training... He was, like, teaching uh, fucking Zach Wilder, like... Uh, something like that. <laughs> I, I love this meme. Dimebag so Daryl. He was so teaching ridiculous. Dimebag Daryl to play. Oh my god. See, so, anyway. Yeah, uh, uh, anyway, enough of the CC DeVille talk. I love CC, but enough of the CC DeVille talk. We're here to talk about bad singers. Um, but yes, I, I showed my coworker the the video of Vince Neil subtitled. Well, a couple of videos. There's a few of them. But... What it it you know it's uh, kickstart my heart, um, and w- like one of my favorite lines in it is drive through forty car Chubba B Big Mac one o three. Oh my god, it's so good. It, yeah, so Vince Neil, I mean, he's another one. I, I obviously, I don't. Again, like I said, he he was never good, as far as I'm aware. Um, but obviously, he's worse. Yeah, he is undoubtedly worse now. And again, so much of it, I think, could be fixed if he cared. I think if the man cared enough to, you know, maybe lose a little bit of the weight, fix whatever his awful diet is, uh, not just weight-wise, like, he's obviously just unhealthy. Yeah. You know, get himself into better physical shape and vocal shape, and I think he could be pretty okay again. Like, he had the foundation of a decent of a decent vocalist. He just never cared enough to do it. I mean, dude just looks like he could tell you the price of a Big Mac. Yeah, well, probably. But like again, he was never he was never good from what I've from what I've seen. But god, he was at least one time like a good performer though. I will always I, I like I will I will have to give credit where it's due. And now he just looks like he's dying. Here, here okay, here we go. Here's here's an example I'm gonna send you here in a second. It's a live performance of Motley Crue at the US Festival in nineteen eighty three. So this is like prime motley crew he is young he is in shape and he can't even finish like the second line of the song God, you could still subtitle this man. Oh my God! Okay, so I'm looking at this. I don't know who this uh Mo Mo, Mo Bamba guy who left a comment. No wonder Mick has a bad back. He's been carrying this band <laughs> since it was formed. <laughs> oh my God! God, it's so true though. Like, I mean, this whole band is a mess. But I mean, I think the most noticeable is just how this is their prime. This is 1983. This is the band in their prime. And he is that bad. 
I'm gonna. I've said this. I said this about thirty times talking about Guns N' Roses. But how did Motley Crue ever get popular? How was this ever popular? And again, I'm speaking as a Motley Crue fan, mind you. They were horrible live both times I've seen them. But I enjoy quite a few of their albums. But how did this ever get through? If I went to some little bar somewhere, and this is the band that was playing, I'd leave. I'll tell you what, um, I saw Motley Crue open for Ozzy, and I think Ozzy outsang Vince Neil. That's not saying much, though. Talk about low bars. <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying. And this is like 2010 or something. This is not peak yeah. Ozzy. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, uh, they're... And again, I think this just comes down to laziness. This comes down to he didn't care enough to actually learn how to do this vocal style that he was supposed to be doing. He's a frontman of a hugely popular band, and he sounds like that. That is, this isn't Dream Theater or Guns N' Roses like we've talked about previously, where, you know, there's there's some technique there, and it just might be a personal preference thing to a certain point. This is just objectively not good. Yeah. If anyone listens to this and says, I don't know, I think it sounds pretty good. I'm genuinely questioning you. I am questioning, I want you to go get a hearing test. This is not good. And this here, again, Vince Neil is not a matter of, oh, he's just, you know, old and can't do it as well as he used to anymore. He could never do it. He's always been awful. This is inexcusable to me. Chris, let's talk about Judas Priest. Oh, let's talk about Judas Priest then. <laughs> I was about to say my um, other low-hanging fruit that I normally go f- go for is uh, Jeff Tate from Queensryche, but evidently he's quit smoking and lost some weight and sounds better. That's what people have told me. So uh, I'll. Oh, I'll... that's okay. We can we can we can go on Jeff Tate for for a hot minute here. Yeah, uh, talk about sounding like a fucking cat in a blender for at least a few years there. Uh, yeah. So let's um here let's let's get our we need three examples here. So step one, what was the band he was in? first what's that scarborough fair cover who was that shit that's a great question mist myth what were they called i think myth sounds right uh that looks like it's finding it okay myth pre queens reich yeah so i mean obviously i do think you need a um a just i don't care pick a moment <laughs> But this is very early Jeff Tate. Now, again, I would not expect anyone to be able to sound like this past 40. Like, this is... Yeah. This is, like, one of those, like... This is, like, peak what the human voice is capable of doing. I would not expect anyone to be able to do this for more than, you know, a couple decades at most kind of thing. Yeah. Absolutely incredible, though. Unreal what Jeff Tate was able to do once upon a time. And even through the 80s into the very early 90s, he was a one of the top vocalists of, of his genre, which is yeah, a genre you know, that specializes in insane vocalists like Bruce Dickinson. Well, yeah, I mean, that's fake. Like, 80s, especially, like, 70s and 80s, hard rock and metal was really all about, like, showing off who had the fastest guitar players, who could sing the highest and lowest. Like, yeah. you know, it, it, if it really if, was. If it didn't have a great singer, then it had a great guitarist or band behind it for the most part. Or everything if they could. Like, yeah. if you, you know... 
you you fit as much as you could, you know, to show off. It was all about virtuosity. Yeah. Um, I don't know what a good example for qu- Queen eh, Queen's Reich is. because uh, I mean, so unfortunately, you know, Jeff Tate was phenomenal once upon a time. I never liked Queensryche, though, right. so I, I couldn't even give you a good example of a song. I, I, I know he sounded phenomenal for, for a long time. Yeah. Like, the, the guy had a great voice. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw a clip in there. And then obviously, um, my favorite, my favorite thing Jeff Tate ever did was on a um, really wonderful, fun compilation album called "We Wish You a Metal Xmas," uh, where he he sings uh, Silver, Silver Bells. Bells, and it's it is it is just a thing of beauty. It is uh, a perfect example of what not to do. And uh, his live performance for a few years matched that, especially when he was doing the uh, Queensryche Cabaret when he was making his poor band go around with fucking a cabaret show. I was not aware that was a thing. Yeah, do you want to see um, Jeff Tate dressed up in a very um, straight white male looking vest, and I'm being very sarcastic. Uh, I mean, I'm... Dance, <laughs> dancing around with with a cabaret group. I mean, no, but like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Let me see if I can find a good clip of the Queensryche Cabaret. Oh man, what do you know? Any Queensryche songs? Like, is there like Not a off top Lady w- Wore Black or something that I could like send you? I, I don't know. The Thin Line. Oh, the Thin Line. That's fitting. That's a song about your girlfriend being an S and M and you not really digging it, but you do it for her. Really? Uh, if you want to look at the lyrics and give me another interpretation of it, because it's like, uh, skin tight leather provides my pre- pleasure. Are you happy yet? Oh, okay. All right, you get them, Jeff. That's if that's your thing, man. You go for it. All right, here's the lady wore black from the Queen's Red Cabaret tour. I just need to see the thumbnail, and I already know this is about to be a train wreck. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, I skipped 40 seconds in, and he's 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 moaning at me. <laughs> that's okay. I just realized that's what his voice sounds like to me during this era. He sounds like he's yawning constantly. Yeah. Like, just the tone quality of his voice is very back of the throat. <sighs> okay, I'm curious, though. I'm looking at Queens of the Reich six months ago. It's staring oh, okay. right at me. All right, let's see if he's if he's improved over the years. Maybe he got some fixing up. I mean, I think he's one of those people who, like you said, you can get a lot of your a lot of. I mean, age will age will do things. 
But you can get a lot of your voice back if you quit smoking, lose some weight, and take care of yourself. You know, you'd be yeah, surprised. Sometimes it just it just sometimes it just takes some effort. I mean, you know, your your voice, a lot of people compare your voice to like training a muscle. It right. takes practice, it takes training, it takes exercise. And it takes in a lot of cases, having a vocal coach who knows more of the physical mechanics of what you're doing to say, I don't like that technique. Maybe we should do it this way because what you're doing here, you're going to blow your voice. I mean, it was... Bless you? Okay. You know what? What? Are you good? No, I'm going to say better. I'm going to say better. Uh, This is... Probably, like, this is, like, their first song, so it's, like, one of the ones that's very vocal intensive. It's hard to do. The dude's older now. I I don't want to give him too much flack for this one. It doesn't sound great, but it sounds... It sounds like he's doing better on this song than he was on The Lady Wore Black, which I don't think is quite as difficult of a song. Here, shoot it over to me. I'm curious. Any particular moment I should look for? Uh... Just go to about a minute. No, I mean, already it's like, literally, I'm at, like, between one minute and, like, 105. Yeah. It doesn't have the range, but it's, he's, he's better. There's some, there's more fullness to his voice. He doesn't sound like he's yawning. I don't think he sounds, I mean, again, I'm not going to ever expect him to sound the way he did once upon a time, but like, no, this isn't, you know what? If I went to go see this, I would not leave mad. Right. Right. Yeah. This is not, this is not as bad as he was a couple years ago. This, this note here at 10, this note here at 107 like I'm digging that. Right. I like the sound of his voice right now. Actually, yeah. this is is this this is recent. This, right? is, this is this, this was year. this year. Yeah. So yeah, I I you know what I can give Jeff Tate the stamp of improved, but probably still dick. What what is this? We came here to complain about bad singers, and you made me say Jeff Tate wasn't terrible. What is wrong? What is happening here? Ah, uh, you know what? I guess you're just gonna I did have not to, expect that. I guess you're just gonna have to uh, talk about Rob Halford and see if it pisses you off again. Okay, yeah, we're going to... Well, the thing is, okay, so, preface, no, no, nothing about Rob Halford is going to piss me off. Um, necessarily. But he's one of the ones that I kind of have... I have so many mixed feelings on when it comes to, you know, who's a good versus bad vocalist, right? Yeah. So, Rob Halford, obviously early Judas Priest when they were just kind of this like hard rock band, you know, before like heavy metal was what it became eventually, you mm-hmm. know, pre painkiller kind of stuff. Right. I mean, yeah. Um, some of their, some of their stuff is almost like hippie ish on the first. Oh yeah. I mean, well, that was the sign one. of the times. It yeah. was, they've, they've been around long enough. That was just what the sound of hard rock was. Yeah. Phenomenal vocalist, phenomenal front man. You had these really awesome high, like falsetto, screamy type type notes. Really, really incredible. And then we hit Painkiller, which is what nineteen ninety, yeah, ninety one, uh, right? Okay, ninety ninety one. Yeah, I don't. Re- I'm trying to remember, like somewhere in that realm, ninety or early nineties. We hit, we hit, not just the album, but the song Painkiller. Yeah. Where Rob Halford sings pretty much the entire song in that 
high reinforced gritty falsetto. And on record, it sounds pretty awesome. Like that is a that is an absolutely wicked track. But has he ever sung that song live well? Do you know of a recording that he actually sounds good singing that live? No. Um I don't think even in even in ninety or ninety one, whenever the tour was. I wanna say the album came out in ninety and the tour was in ninety one. I don't even think on that tour uh performance of performances of it were known for being great i also don't know if that was known for being a peak period of time i think he was getting tired and he wanted to go do other things that's when he left for a while and they brought in tim owens and he went and did that album with the with the weird snm song with trent reznor and some fight stuff um and and then he came back after a couple years and i think by then, if he ever could do Painkiller, it was like 10 years later and he'd aged out of it. So I don't think yeah, he's okay. ever performed it fantastic. So I have this weird mixed thing because on one hand, like Rob Halford, he is such a phenomenal vocalist. Like, I will not refer to him as a bad vocalist, a bad live singer in, in any real respect. Um, But there's that issue where he did a thing in the studio with the intention of performing it live that he couldn't do live so I'm so on the fence because I I can't hate Rob Halford like he is just like the essence of cool in even so, many so ways. even so it's hard to get mad over one song even if it's a yeah, significantly cool song by the band there's so many other things that even even in I mean I don't think his recent stuff sounds great but the man's how old but even until well, recently, he yeah. sounded great doing, you know, so much else of the discography, even if Painkiller fell flat most nights. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I really can't hold that against him. Now, there's not a lot of live recordings more recently of them that I think he sounds great, but obviously I am attributing that to decades of touring and just age. The man's, I mean, what, he has to be 70-something, right? Surely. 71. I'll say, I mean, they've been touring for... 50 years or whatever, probably. Um, yeah, okay. So, like, I'm not expecting him to, to sound the way he did in his in his younger days, but I think for, you know, he, I think he sounds really good for the most part. Like, his... He doesn't have the screams. I'm just concerned that the beard is weighing his voice down, you know? <laughs> but just the guy... The guy has a, a really big, thick, powerful voice, and, and I've always loved... You know, his more, like, old man-style voice. Obviously, your, your voice ages, it deepens, it thickens. And I think he sounds awesome. Like, he pulled through that age barrier in a really, really cool way. I thought you were going to say he had a thick, powerful beard. But yeah, Angel of Retribution is, like, one of the surprise killer it's, Judas Priest yeah. albums. And their last one, uh, uh, the one with Flamethrower on it? I don't it? know the last one. Oh, I do remember Flamethrower. Firepower. We listened to that Firepower. one. Firepower. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, that was a solid album. I enjoyed it. Firepower is a surprisingly great album. Like, you know, for for where they are, you'd, you'd think they could just, like, float by and do, you know, whatever. 
which is kind of how I felt about Redeemer of Souls. I didn't think that was a great album. But, man, Firepower really fucking knocked it out of the park when I'm not sure they even had to. That was so good. It was, yeah, it was it was not a necessary thing. Um, so now this is, so, okay, so the reason I wanted to bring up Rob Halford, though, is because it is bringing up this whole other realm of good or bad live singing. And that is some vocal styles just can't be done well live in most cases. And I'm kind of torn on this. Like the song Painkiller, let's take that on its own, right? I I have not heard very many live recordings of that song that I think are particularly good. Um, None of which were sung by Rob Halford. I, I do think Tim Owens actually does that style better. The constant high gritty... Rob Halford may have basically created it. He kind of godfathered that style. Other people took what he did and built upon it, and I think do it better. But it does... Again, it brings up this idea of there are some vocal styles that... Are we supposed to think they're good live? Are we supposed to go into this like, oh, that's supposed to sound a certain way? Another weird example. Here's a band that I don't really think about a whole lot. Uh, Cradle of Filth is just the example that I think of because they're kind of the most well-known in their little weird world of gothic, symphonic, black metal-ish stuff. There's a lot of vocal styles in that realm of more extreme metals. There's like the the deep gutturals. The death growls, the screeches. Wars almost, yeah. yeah. There's the screeches, like there's like these like high-pitched wails. And... I'm kind of asking, asking your opinion here. Would you put this in the category of, like how we were saying at the beginning, you know, I'm not ever expecting a punk singer to actually sound good. Is that what I should go into something like Cradle of Filth thinking? Should I listen to this recording I, I sent you here and think, well, what was I expecting? Of course he's not going to be able to do all of these crazy noises correctly live. Or should I go into this thinking, you did it in the studio, how dare you come out here and do whatever the hell it is he's doing in half of this performance? I, I, I mean, I gotta say that to some point, you know, I, I think those singers need to be held to sort of the same standard. Like, you can, you can say some singers are not necessarily meant to be great live musicians, right? Um... Bob Bob Dylan or something, right? Like he sounds pretty garbage lot. Like now he sounds like different, but like he just does it like whatever the fuck. He just mumbles into a microphone. But I think at the time um, that he was putting out those big albums, he kind of sounded the same on the album as live. Like he performed it closer to on the record, right? So I'm going to be honest with you, I was literally literally listening to a live album of Bob Dylan in the mid-60s on my drive home before we recorded. So, like, yeah, no, absolutely. He sounded the same live as he did on the record, like, and if you And decades. if you think that's sounding like shit, then that's sounding like shit. And if you think, you know, well, it sounds like Bob Dylan, then, you know, that's fine, too. Uh, another example, like, Carrie K- or uh, Tom Array of Slayer, he, he doesn't have an appealing voice. But how he sounds in the studio is kind of how he sounds live, and that's kind of where I'm going with this, is that there are plenty yeah. of singers who, if their vocal style, you don't like it, or you sound, they think it sounds like shit, that's fine, 
but that's also how they sound live. Um, and a great example of someone who is a very good both vocalist and like death growler and whatever he wanted to do at his peak is is uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck the pronunciation up, but Michael Ackerfeld of Opeth. Uh, anything he did on the album, he could do live. And honestly, to the, to yeah. this day, he's just scaled back how much he performs the Death Growls live due to age and all taking care of himself and all that, which I think is fine. Wow, crazy concept, taking care of yourself. I, I think if Danny Filth uh, cannot perform live, like on the record, I think that that's a strike against them. And if it's due to age, then there's a lot of things you can do, like uh, changing how much of that of your style focuses on that style of vocal, much like Opeth or even Slipknot did. Like Slipknot have toned down how much of their music is screaming because Corey Taylor's getting older. That's just how it is. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But that's how they perform now. You know, I'm actually glad you brought up Slipknot because Corey Taylor is another example where I'm like so on the fence. I don't think Corey Taylor ever really did the screaming, growling stuff live particularly well. Right. Corey Taylor otherwise has a really good voice. Yeah. Like, the dude has a solid hard rock voice. Man's got some pipes in that neck of his that just, like, doesn't ever end. Like, he's one of those guys, like, his shoulders just blend into his face. I know a lot of people who don't like the new, the new, more, like clean vocal Slipknot style, and that's fine, but I think Corey Taylor, as a vocalist, is stronger doing clean vocals. My indifference towards Slipknot aside. Yeah, I say, I don't really listen to Slipknot. I have, I don't really know a whole lot of what they've done past, like, the first few albums. Um, and even then, I only know a handful of songs, and I mean, don't get wrong, Slipknot, like, when they had the good song, they had a good song. Right. Like, Left Behind is a phenomenal track. That is such a cool song. Um, my plague is is the first, you know, like heavy metal, so to speak, song that I ever really enjoyed that wasn't like a Black Sabbath kind of thing. Mm. You know, I grew up on on Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin. Um, you know, some Slipknot was like one of my introductions to. Oh, there's like other stuff out there. Like this guy's screaming, and for some reason, I kind of like this. You know. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I'm I'm so on the fence here about about some of these kind of things. So like you're saying we should hold, God, here's a weird sentence. You're saying we should hold Cradle of Filth accountable. <laughs> you know, I was thinking the other day that Danny Filth has to be just one of the most intolerable people to be around. <laughs> uh, but like, Danny Filth's, you know, insufferableness aside. I, I'm I'm always so frustrated because on one hand there's a handful of, of live performances where like I think he sounds pretty good like it's pretty cool actually he's pulling off some weird crazy stuff with his voice that's not most recordings that's not what they're known for um, and I'm kind of just like I, I still have that up in the air you know the jury's still out on on how I feel about not even just Cradle of Filth but like otherwise like especially like black metal performers. Because that is a style that I don't know how many people can just physically do some of these sounds consistently. I think it's a genre where consistency is a problem, but I there are definitely 
singers I've heard do it better and worse live than on their albums. Um, and well, unfortunately, so not being a huge fan of black metal, the 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 band that I have really enjoyed, I typically have a hard time finding live recordings that don't make me hurt. Uh, as much as I really was getting into Satyricon for a while, oh man, he does not sound good live. He he's got that chirping bird thing going on most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Yeah, it can be um, difficult sometimes. So, to start wrapping this up unless you had more to jump onto. Not much. I I kind of tried to I kind of tried to dig a little uh through through what does the internet think? I looked up, you know, some Reddit posts and some opinions and stuff like that. And I think people are are a lot harder on vocalists than I planned to be today. So the problem I had cuz I was kind of doing the same thing out of curiosity like, "Ooh, I wonder if there's like some famous singer who I've just never seen live or heard live that like, wow, they're really bad." My problem is so many people will hear one bad recording. Yeah. And go, "Oh my god, can you believe how terrible they are?" Like, okay, The Offspring. There's that recording that we found. And I don't remember what the performance was if it was one of the oh, Woodstocks. Oh, it was or it was whatever. one of the Woodstocks. I forget if it was 94 or 99. Oh my god, it's horrible. But that's the only recording that I think is particularly bad. Do I think The Offspring are ever phenomenal live? No, but I'm not expecting them to be. I think they're typically pretty solid live, though. Like, I'm not normally leaving them on, like, I've seen The Offspring. I did not leave going, oh dear god, they're terrible. I left going, that was fun. I saw them a couple years ago, and I thought they were pretty damn good, uh, considering how Dexter looks. He doesn't... He doesn't look like he's never seen a Big Mac. I mean, <laughs> he sounds pretty good, though. Yeah, he does. I think I think for the most part, he sounds at least passable. Like, I don't... But at the same time, it, am I being too forgiving because of the genre? Because I have two examples here for Maybe, you. and also age uh, has probably, like, earned him a little forgiveness. But one that I saw, and I'll let, I'll let you go, but, like, one that kept coming up... Oh, yeah, up, go ahead, sorry. One that kept coming up was, like, recent Britney Spears, and I'm like, y'all were lucky she's alive. You remember when she shaved her head and we were all worried she was going to overdose any fucking day now? Okay, so that brings up a tangent, actually, which is something else I wanted to say earlier, and I just to- totally slipped my out here. Um, when I'm thinking of bad vocalists... I'm putting other certain things into this category of I'm not expecting you to sound good because that's not really your point. Britney Spears is a performer, much more so than she is a singer. I expect most of her performance to be on a track. Yeah. Or one of those, like, there's there's a system now where if a singer stops singing, a backing track just, like, automatically kicks in for them. And if they start singing, the track turns off kind of thing. If I'm seeing a, a a pop artist, I am expecting a lot of it to be pre-recorded or maybe just like being covered by a swarm of backing vocalists or something. That's not the point of that show. That show is mostly about choreography and the spectacle of it all. I'm going to go see, you know, I saw the Backstreet Boys year, quite a few years ago, and I went seeing the Backstreet Boys expecting more of a light show than anything, and it was a phenomenal light show. I didn't go to see the Backstreet Boys. I went to see a stage crew put on a phenomenal performance, which they did. And it was fun and enjoyable. The atmosphere was great. Like, it was a good time. It was a genuinely fun experience. I was not going expecting to hear 
purely live, amazing vocal tracks. I don't know if they were live or not. I don't care. It sounded good. It looked great. It was a fun time. Britney Spears falls in that category. Um, it's like, I, I want to say, like, let's say you have like a, 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 a sliding bar, right? You have it right in the middle. It's 50% performance, 50% singing. Yeah. You take someone like Britney Spears, I'm expecting that bar to be moved towards the performance end. So you're losing some of the singing power, but you're adding into performance. Then you have people like Bruce Dickinson, who somehow his bar is more than just 100%. So yeah, he moves his bar like 80% to the performance, but somehow he still puts in like 80% singing. I don't really know how he does it, but the man is an amazing performer and he sounds a lot better than I would expect him to, given his stage presence. I mean, the the thing that I think is crazy, and I think a lot of it had to do with that tour too, but you know... People talk about how good they were during the um, Power Slave tour, and I think if you go back and you listen to the DVD of them in 1985 or whatever, and then listen to the the more recent Bruce tracks, I think he sounds better now. And I know that's like a tour where it's like they worked 180 days in a year or something, and he was exhausted yeah, yeah, by yeah. the end of it, and by the time the DVD was filmed, dude just wanted to fucking go home. But yeah, um, for for a DVD that got a lot of praise in its time. I think their, their more recent live shows, well, not maybe not like the past five years, but post reunion with Bruce, I think some of them blew, blew that show out of the water. Well, I mean, I think, I think the real thing comes down to, you know, this really is a conversation of vocalists who know how to do things like in a technical, like proper way to not damage their voices over the years. Like Bruce Dickinson obviously like knows how to sing properly. That's how the man has been able to do it for so long and, and keep um, at least a lot of his, like the man has a, has a really wide range and he's kept a lot of that range even well into what he's, he's 60 something now. Right. And, and the man still sounds really solid for his age. He sounds, I mean, quite frankly, if I sound, you know, like not that I, not that I am in again, not that I am like really a singer, but if I sound half as good at 60 as I do now, like I'm going to be happy. Most people don't. You, you you lose a lot just by age. Uh, Bruce Dickinson is, is a phenomenal performer and a great live singer, despite the fact that his live performance, he's just like constantly moving. He's he's a, he's phenomenal. Britney Spears, I'm not expecting her to be a great singer. So yeah, I, I did do some searching. I didn't find a lot of what I was looking for. I found a lot of people online complaining about specific performances. Right. Or like, oh, here's a recording of this person singing the national anthem. And I'm like, yeah, okay, this is a bad performance. But, like, did you look up anything else they've ever sung? Because this is one example. And this person, you know, you pick someone. This person has sung the national anthem seven other times, and they're all great except for this one. I'm not judging a good or bad singer off of one performance. You know where I am judging bad singers, though, is apparently almost the entirety of the 1990s. Oh. I don't know what it is. I sent you two examples of bands that I really like, but I know were never good live, were Filter and Third Eye Blind, who I just don't think ever sounded good live. Then, now... Doesn't matter. Well, speaking of the 90s, although they've been around since the 80s, they were most prominent in the 90s. <clears throat> One of my favorite comments in my research that I found was, 
Anthony Kiedis has, has his entire life to learn how to sing a note and just chose not to do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like not inaccurate. So yeah, so speaking of people who rose to prominence in the 90s, I don't know what it is about 90s pop rock, but it is full of bands who just like, how did you... Like, what record executive listened to you and said, yeah, yeah, we can sell this. Because they all sound good in the studio. And then just none of the, like, they all tried doing things they can't do live. And I don't, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Um, yeah, so I sent you filter, take a picture, uh, go to about 424 is, you know, the climax of the song where he he screams, you know, hey, dad, what do you think about your son now? And this is one of the better recordings I can find of this. And then just like, you know, any Third Eye Blind. God, I love Third Eye Blind's first two albums. Um, And recently released uh, an acoustic album, which is actually really, really good. But my God, just another one. Just never... The, the vocals are always just like... Dude, what are you doing? Like, take a vocal lesson, please. Baby, baby, I want something else. Not this what you say. I mean, if that's his best, that's the problem, isn't it? Like, isn't that entirely our point here? No, you want to know what my, my closing thoughts are, Chris? Oh, shit. Yeah. You know who's not a bad vocalist, despite being old? Who? Billy Joel. Oh, yeah. No, he's... So, I'm so, not a huge so, Billy Joel fan, but he's, like, taking care of himself. So, surprise, uh, I went to go see Billy Joel a couple weeks ago. Um, We were, we were given tickets by one of his friends who just, like, couldn't make it. Um, we had like frustratingly good seats. At one point, I even leaned over and said to like, "I don't deserve to sit here because I only know like a dozen Billy Joel songs." Um, it was phenomenal. The man, uh, the man, I think is a better vocalist than he is a piano player these days. Absolutely phenomenal vocalist for a man his age. I don't know if you know the song "An Innocent Man." But seeing it performed live, this was my introduction. And during the chorus, he hits this, like, big, full falsetto note. And it just, like, rang through the stadium. It was incredible. It's crazy. He has some songs that are, like, really underappreciated in comparison to some of the pop garbage he's put out. Well, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of my my thing with Billy Joel is, like, oh, my God, Uptown Girl is a terrible song. We Didn't Start the Fire is... Fun in the fact that I like list songs, but it's not actually like a good song. Um, but Billy Joel, actually, what made me sad is my two two of my favorite Billy Joel songs he did not play, which would be the Down Easter Alexa and and so it goes, right? Which I actually expected him to play them. I think they're both fairly common in his set lists. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, like, no, he was absolutely phenomenal. Like, just unbelievable like an unbelievable singer for a man in whatever age he is he has to be pushing 70 now i'm sure i still feel bad for the time i was uh out in philadelphia with your brother and uh i woke up in the morning with just uptown girl just stuck in my head relentlessly <laughs> i'm very sorry 
awful. Awful for both of us because he had to deal with it being in my head too. I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah. So I don't. I don't have any closing thoughts. If you want to get into uh, what have you been listening to lately, unless you unless you do, uh, you went and saw another show accidentally, didn't you? Um, okay, so not kind of accidentally, accidentally, but it was just sort of like we went out to a tiny little city in New York. Yeah. Um, to go see her name is Amanda Palmer. She was one half of the band the Dresden Dolls. Yeah. Um. So basically, the Dresden Dolls were were. Th- they're they're doing three shows in November, mm-hmm. and just the way this one article was written was kind of like, you know, tickets for that aren't on sale yet, but Amanda Palmer's doing a solo show this day, and we bought tickets for it. I'm just like, screw it, let's make a weekend out of it. Yeah. So we went to this tiny show in this church that was built in 1683, I think. It was called the Old Dutch Church. Mm-hmm. So, cool venue. The show was one of those, I call them like art conglomerate shows. I used to go to a bunch of these in high school because it was like the punk bands were all into doing this kind of thing. Where like, it's not all, it's not a concert. Like you'll have a punk band play and then a beat poet goes up and talks for 15, 20 minutes. And then like there was uh, this Ukrainian woman who did like an interpretive dance and like splattered paint all over a canvas, and then later on they auctioned the painting, and it sold for like six hundred and fifty dollars or something. And then there was this little I guess anything duo, can be like, art. It was bizarre, and it was just one of those like it was one of those moments where I'm in a room full of people who I don't think I understand, but I was just fascinated by it. Well, it's great that you had a good time. Oh yeah, it was a, it was a really good time. It was a really interesting show, um, and just like I mean, I'm a sucker for for small towns. Yeah. So being in, in so you weren't in Kingston, New York New proper. York. You were in. We weren't in New York City. Right. We were in Kingston, New York. Right. We were 80 miles north of New York City. So like okay. we were in a little city, very far north of New York, um, which apparently at one point was the capital of New York or. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, we're in, we were in Kingston, which is just one of those cool little cities where, you know, there might be a office building obviously built in like the seventies. And then right next to it is some like old house now turned into a law firm office. And this house is probably 180 years old. It's just like, it's just such a cool town. So it was a, it was a really good time, honestly. But yeah, so I accidentally saw Billy Joel and then we, Kind of haphazardly drove seven hours to go see Amanda Palmer. Did she? Uh, in the... She do her suicidal tendencies cover. Is that a thing she does? So, while we were on the way home the other night, your brother found a playlist of all of the uh, covers of institutionalized. You know, starting with the uh, <laughs> with the body count one, and obviously the Brack one was featured prominently. Um, but yeah, Amanda Palmer <laughs> was on there. Yeah, there's a the, yeah. Th- everything I said is true. But yeah, Amanda Palmer has a version on there. I did not know that. Yeah, so she did a I cover did of Institutionalized. But no, she didn't. Um, did you give her a Pepsi? I, no, no, no. Um, I did not know a lot of. I don't know a lot of her music. Like this was purely like we went because a uh, big fan and really into like the. Like that world, like was much more enamored with like the poetry reading and stuff than I am. It's not really my scene, but it was a cool experience, and it's been a long time since I've been at one of those like art conglomerate style shows. So it was a really cool deal. 
Um, I've been doing a lot of power metal lately. I was gonna say. So what have you been listening it's to? It's just late? been a lot of a lot of Halloween, and I put on Destruction Preventer today. Did you know that song is about nu- uh, uh, mutually assured destruction? Because I've been listening to that song for like. 15 years now and i had no fucking idea what it was about until today how did you miss this i don't know i like i don't listen to the worst to destruction preventer most of the time i guess the one line is literally the red button is mine yeah and it's called destruction preventer like in what yeah i I did know that that's what it was about thank you um god that's a cool song though it is okay i love black diamond medley god that is that is that kills me honestly uh so, just for the record, to clear this up, <clears throat> the song Destruction Preventer is by the band Sonata Arctica. Sonata Arctica, early in their career, would go on tour with the band Stradivarius. Stradivarius have a song called Black Diamond. The song Destruction Preventer is frustratingly similar. Like, this should have gone to court for copyright infringement similar. Um... I don't believe it ever did. I, I don't I, know what the story I think they're, is. I think they're buds, and I think it just kind of... Oh, I'm assuming they're just kind of like blowing it off, and they just yeah, don't care. Yeah. I don't think anything <clears throat> came of it. Speaking of power metal, though, I've heard the last couple Dragon Force albums are pretty good, so I plan to check that out. Um, oh, g- g- going back to Bad Singers. Remember that time that their singer was terrible? Yeah, they have yeah. a new singer now, I think. They, I'll say, but they do have a new singer now who, who apparently is, is quite good. Yeah. I, um, I don't know personally, but... Uh, well, I might by the next time we talk, so we'll see. Oh, what? What? No, I mean, I might, what? I might listen to the new Dragon Force you're gonna, album. You're gonna go, I was gonna say, are you gonna go on a Dragon Force binge? Uh, let's not call it a binge, I'll listen to the new album, see how it sounds. Oh, that's no fun, okay. Um. Are we, do, are we doing Dragon Force reviews, is that what's going on? No, I was just curious if you were going on a Dragon Force binge or not. No, so I'm kind of in that weird mode where, uh, you know, again, like, what I've been listening to isn't matching up with like what I feel like I should be listening to. So for unrelated reasons, I was told I need to give the new Panic at the Disco album a listen. Just for the sake of all of my friends who are Panic at the Disco fans hate this new album. And I want to go in like as not really a fan of them. I want to go in and listen and see like what what the deal here is. The problem is otherwise I have just been listening to like Jim Croce and Cat Stevens. So, like, I'm not in the mood for this, like, over-the-top, overproduced, like, pop rock. Like, I just want to listen to a dude with a guitar, you know what I mean? I've been doing, I've been doing kind of the opposite, I guess, because I gave the new Mountain Goats album one listen, and it was good, but I went right back to uh, Gamma Ray or whatever. I have not gotten to the new Mountain Goats album. It, It is on my, it is on, so I have a playlist on Spotify that it was supposed to be called Albums to Listen to. But my phone corrected listen to moisten, so it's called albums to moisten to. Um, it's on there. I just haven't listened to it yet. Again, because I, I just kind of been on such a uh, like folk run here for a few weeks now. Actually, it's it's like been all encompassing. I don't know what's going on. There's a there's a little bit more rock in this one than last couple, but okay. Anyway, Jeff, take us home. How am I? What What do you mean? What are we doing? Perfect.